Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. Maybe you're listening to this now because you missed the live version Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by these sponsors, which I am extremely grateful for. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices. Their website, thebbqguru.com. Big Papa Smokers, creators of some of the best rubs out there and retailer of many different grills and barbecue products. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. Butcher's Barbecue, creators of injections, rubs, and seasonings. Their website, butchersbbq.com. Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. And their website is greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookshack, some of the best industrial electric smokers out there today. Also pellet cookers as well. Their website is cookshack.com. Cookinpellets.com. If you want to fire those pellet cookers that I just talked about, visit cookinpellets.com to buy your pellets right now. Also by the Chops Power Injector. Forget about using one needle to inject your meats. The Chops Power Injector system has four needles for your injecting pleasure. You can visit them at barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, KansasCity.com. And by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, you can visit kcbs.us slash samstour for results, to register your team, or to see where the next event will be taking place. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and efficient cookers out there in the market right now. Visit their website at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Unknown Barbecue Accessories. You can visit them at unknownbbq.com slash shop. Hi, this is Scott Greenia from Fairfax, Vermont, also known as Scotty BQ, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. And we broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. Poof! Man, do we have a doozy to get into it tonight. I'm telling you right now. If it's the first show that you've tuned into this year, friends, you have made a brilliant decision. Notwithstanding the fact that it is the first show of the new year, if you want to get in contact with the show, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, said BBQ Central Show. Coming up at 9.14 this evening, in case you didn't get the newsletter, shame on you if you haven't signed up. First Tuesday of the month, first Tuesday of the new year, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, joins us, of course. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about some 2017 trends and topics. We're going to be talking about Ray going out on a cruise. I'm going to be making a final plea to him to not do that. Cruises are... I have a weird thing about cruises. Notwithstanding that, uh, we'll get into a couple other topics as well. Then at 9.35, we love to have the folks from Weber on the show when they feel so inclined to avail themselves. And it just so happens, the first Tuesday of this month and new year finds my buddy Kevin Coleman from Weber joining us. You know, the large portion of our conversation this evening is going to be focused around the new revamp of the Weber Genesis series of grills. We might also talk just very briefly about the Summit Charcoal Grill, but most of the time will be spent on the new Genesis revamp. So looking forward to that. And then we'll move into the second hour, and we will find the hardcore carnivore herself, Jess Priles, showing up to talk about the new Red Rub. You had the Black Rub, now we have the Red Rub. Who knows what other rubs are up her sleeve. Also, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects ever, venison. (laughs) That's deer, right? So she's been uh, getting down with some deer recently, a venison. And she's going to share some of her recipes, specifically venison scotch eggs. So a little bit of a departure from the norm there. So looking forward to catching up with Jess Priles. And then at 1035, longtime centralite and friend of the show and a person who is aptly able to speak on this discussion, starting barbecue from the grassroots, getting a barbecue event up and running. Angela Iverson will be joining me. Also a barbecue contract assassin, if I'm not mistaken. Hired to put together boxes and bring tips and techniques that perhaps some of the most reveled pitmasters aren't going to unveil. But that is Angela Iverson. So all man first hour, all female second hour. Looking forward to that. Plus your phone calls and emails. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show. Dot com. The show's live, so as I ask each and every week, let everybody know that the show is happening. Get on the Facebooks, the Twitter, the Instagram, send out these links, my show website, thebbqcentralshow.com. You can also send them over to my Facebooks, uh, slash greg.rempy. You can also send them over to Roku if they have IP television. Tell them to go in their app store, search for Outdoor Cooking Channel, if they have Outdoor Cooking Channel, that app stores, download it. You can watch a live stream, plus the host of all the archives of all the other shows that Kevin has on Outdoor Cooking Channel, like Whiskey Bent Barbecue in the Pit that preceded me. Or you can get the show on OutdoorCookingChannel.com slash watch dash now, the longtime video syndication partner here of this show. So that's how you can get the show in all of its live forms. Don't forget, I record the show every second that it's live and it gets uploaded in podcast fashion as well for those folks that like to consume it after the fact. And I have to say that as we closed up 2016 last year and last show, I made a plea, a personal testimony to the folks and said, hey, if you make a New Year's resolution, which we've uh, agreed that we're going to try and stick to these this year, 
watched the show once live in 2017. And I have to say, I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised over the past week on how many people replied back to me via social media, via email. I'm very easy to reach, very accessible. That they would make an effort, every effort, some said, or at least the resolution to catch the show live at least once this year. And of course, we all know that resolution is French for shit I'm really not going to ever do this year. But I do appreciate the fact that you reacted back to me nonetheless. I mean, however you consume the show, just know two things. However you consume the show, know two things. A, I thank one, I thank you for your continued or beginning listenership here of this show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And secondly, and perhaps most importantly, I love the live listeners the most. Unabashedly, I will say that, and it's no offense. You know, I don't I, I don't believe in the I'm not a blah 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 but and then I'm about to just wipe everything else I set out before the but. I'm I I don't want to offend the post show consumers, the post live show consumers. But if I'm forced, Sophie's choice, if the podcast listeners are in a boat and the live listeners in a boat and the boat tips over, I'm reaching in for the live listeners first. And then whatever podcast listeners I can get in the book. It might not be any of you, but hey, you'll be able to get the show downriver. <laughs> not the live listeners. They're in it with me. Both feet in, ready for the fire. Who knows what's going to happen, right? So I love the live listeners first, but I don't not love the post-live consumers as well. All right, new year means new listeners. And if you haven't dug back through the extensive archives that are tied to the show, and I've done poor math, by the way, in February, on February 27th, this show will be starting its, uh, this show will be starting its 11th year live, 11th, 2008. That's bad math. That's bad math. I'm sorry. No, that's wrong. Well, however long that is, I don't know. It's really long, though. I can tell you that. So if you haven't dug back through the extensive archives of this show, we can all use a little refresher from time to time. Also, because it's 2017, to be there this year, we punch out all of the rules, let's say. But first, we have to know the rules of the show as they exist now in the beginning of 2017 before we add to the rules here in 2017. And I would really like to punch out from four rules to ten rules of the show, if we can, by the end of 2017. So the really intent listeners of the show, if you think that there is going to be a new rule that we should add to the list, please email me, please direct message me, whatever. But here are the rules of the show as they stand currently. Rule number one, we all know it. No names, please. Don't mention any names. Rule number two, very important. Don't get hooked. Don't let somebody pull you into a fight or lead you down a path that you really don't want to get led down. And oh, oh, oh next thing you know, you're, you got hooked. Don't do that. 
Rule number three. This is me, right? If it's free, it's me. That's right. Be don't worry about if somebody's offering you free stuff, you just take it. If it's free, it's me. Rule number four, we picked it up last week. Don't snappy snap on the Snapchat. That's what my parents taught me last week. It's a good rule of the show. Don't snappy snap on the Snapchat. Ray Lampy coming up out of the break. All right, gang, if you're like me, you're thinking of ways to step up the barbecue and grilling game, no better or easier way to do that than by adding a little butcher barbecue to your arsenal. Look, there's just a ton of products to choose from. I could tell you all about them individually. That would take the better part of three hours. But I am going to high-level it for you. First, we all know that Butcher's Barbecue, so well-known, really entered the industry because of the quality and the testimony of the injections, the beef injections, the pork injections, that prime injection, which has combined all the things loved from the beef injection Using its award-winning flavor enhancer, its ability to keep your brisket juicy, they have combined it with what has become the competition standard in beef flavor. Available for sale right now at ButcherBBQ.com. Hey, do you want rubs? Well, they got rubs here for you as well. How about the old standby steak and brisket rub? That's real good. How about the honey rub, one of my favorite rubs ever? How about some of the new rubs, the pecan and the cherry? How about triple secret master's blend rub or chipotle yeah like that pecan did i say pecan those are the four new ones then of course you have the sweet barbecue sauce i'm a sauce snob i really love my sauce the most but if i'm in a pinch or if i don't want to make it or if i want to jazz my sauce up i reach for sweet barbecue sauce made by butcher's barbecue And the sweet barbecue sauce is not only tested by me, it has earned its chops out there on the competition trail as well by itself or used as a base. If you want to doctor it up, go right ahead. And then, of course, you have the grilling oils. Oh, friends and family, I'm telling you right now, I call it the product of 2016, but it could have also been the product of 2015, in my opinion. These things are shelf-stable. There's three different flavors to choose from. Butter flavor is my favorite. They also have steakhouse seasoning, which is really good. And they also have chipotle seasoning, which is good. Nice little uh, low-end heat there on the chipotle. But here's the thing that really cinches it for me. Why I use it all the time. Because it's not out of sight, out of mind. These grilling oils are shelf-stable. They're not going to go rancid. They're not going to stink up the joint if you leave them out like some of the other products. But once you open them, they have to be refrigerated. Otherwise, you're risking life and limb. You're going to be food poisoning all of your friends and family. Nobody wants that. These grilling oils are shelf-stable. If you need a little butter kick or whatever flavor that you're looking for, you just add it into whatever you're doing. How about put it in the pasta water to keep noodles from sticking? How about right into already cooked noodles to keep it from sticking after the fact? ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We're back with Ray Lampy right after this. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. 
Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a cooker to house a lot of meat, they got one for you. Medium size, they can accommodate. How about something small to take on the tailgate? Sure, why not? Also, they can give you pellets to fire those cookers as well. All you have to do is check out the main website, GreenMountainGrills.com, and you can hook up with whatever size you want. I apologize if I sound a little stuffed up. I'm battling a very minor cold, but I'm pressing through unabashed. I will not be taken down in the first show of the year, especially with this guy. So stay tuned for the following. If you've got questions about barbecue or grilling, maybe as a hobby or even a business, looking to get an expert's point of view, why not ask Dr. Barbecue? You can submit your questions by clicking on the Ask Dr. Barbecue tab on the website. The doctor is in. Here's Ray Lampy with his nurse, Greg Rempe. Dr. Barbecue. Right, it's Ray Lampy joining us here on the show. Ray, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Doing Long absolutely. time no see. I know, man. Uh, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Right. It's going to be a good one. So, like, what are your, do you have 2017 New Year's resolutions? <laughs> no. No, man, I'm way too old for that. I, really? You, know, you can't change your ways at this point. What about, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of people within our industry are deciding to put themselves out on proverbial limbs or take risks and say, here are some of the 2017 trends or things that I think predictions, let's call them. Uh, do you do you see anything coming up this year that uh, you only know about that you're ready to extend to everybody else and make it like you're a big know-it-all? No, I, I don't have any real secrets. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, you know, we're, we're lucky. We're living right in the middle of it, man. Barbecue, you know, years ago we hoped for this barbecue blow up that it was going to become such a big deal and it's it's here man we're living in the middle of it are you surprised to see as much tech creeping into the barbecue and grilling industry as a whole or did you you know all the way back then even when fast eddie was doing pellet cookers traeger was obviously owning that market <laughs> did you see that there was going to be room for tech as, as much as it is now i wouldn't have thought so no <clears throat> i really wouldn't have but but as you've seen what's happened over the years, gadget guys have gotten involved with barbecue. Certainly Big Green Egg, you know, it attracts them like flies and and guys that just like to have cool little toys. And we're guys, you know, we do like toys. Um, that's why, how many guys do you know if you're a golfer, they got 10 drivers in their garage and 10 putters because you always want that new one, that new fancy one. It's going to make you a better driver. And so it's just kind of the same thing. But no, I didn't see it. All right, so let's get the monthly Dr. Barbecue restaurant update. Where are we? Are we on track? Are we nowhere near it? Where, what's the deal right now? Oh, we're getting close now. Ooh, I just good. heard the date. Uh, they told me the date was Feb 5th, but that's actually Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm thinking it's Feb 6th. We're going to close on the building. We're going to take get the building when we close on it, and, and then we start in probably four months. Uh, if I was guessing the middle of June, you know, it's too early to make any predictions. It's a big build-out. It's a big restaurant. It's, you know, it, it's a big project. So it's going to take some time. If I was guessing, I'd say middle of June now. But but we are going to get the start in about a month. All right. So from a from a menu standpoint, is it pretty much hammered out at this uh, at this stage? No, gosh, no. We, really? We, <laughs> like the three or four key players all submitted a list, you know, of menu items, and each one was three times as many 
items as we could actually have on the menu and they weren't all the same. So no, we got a lot of whittling down to do. Um, we'll see how it goes. You know, it's, it's hard with a barbecue restaurant. There's so many things that just have to be there. You know, I wanted to, when we went to, uh, to Michael Simon's restaurant, it was really interesting. If you remember, there was no chicken on the menu. Um, I think there was no pulled pork, no, right? Wasn't no there? pulled pork. But there was belly, pork belly, right. and there was lamb ribs. But I mean, think about it. If you're going to have brisket, maybe burnt ends. Uh, I'm thinking about pastrami. I made some homemade pastrami the other day, and I really like that. I mean, so let, that's something a little different. Pulled pork, baby back ribs, or spares, or both. Maybe, uh, maybe you want turkey sausage. You got to have mac and cheese. Uh, maybe greens, grits, French fries. I mean, you know, you're almost done. It's really a hard situation with a barbecue restaurant because you want to do some different things, but which of those do you skip? And I, and I bet if you talk to Michael Simon, and you never will, that he would say, Ouch! Uh, it's early in the year, Ray. What are you talking about? Oh, my goodness. Look at this guy. Get him on the show, ask him, but I bet they had the same dilemma, and that's why they skipped pork and chicken because they wanted to have that big beef rib that's another thing we got to consider they wanted to have lamb ribs i mean it's really a challenge uh it's going to be hard to whittle it down to a safe number of of items and still keep some really interesting creative stuff because i don't want to do the same thing as every other barbecue restaurant but there's a whole bunch that has to be the same do you have to consider, I mean, certainly in a in a general restaurant sense, and barbecue is a niche, right? I mean, you are going to be serving meat. It's going to be meat-based. Do you have to take into consideration, and I mean, do you have to, as far as a, a business sense, do you have to take into account the non-meat eaters, or do they not even Definitely. factor in? Really? Well, the neighborhood we're in, we're right smack in the middle of a very trendy, hip neighborhood, and there's a lot of vegetarians. There's a lot of gluten-free people, uh and, you know, so, yeah, we got to, man. You can't be an asshole like that. We have to uh, we have to accept it and, and embrace them. Plus the fact that it's it's a big, busy restaurant, you know. So you want people to be able to come there other than when only when they have a taste for brisket. So, yeah, we've got to sneak some things in, too, that will be, you know, maybe uh, fried chicken. Maybe Sandy could eat fried shrimp every day. Maybe we put fried shrimp on the menu. So, uh, obviously, some salads and and then some, I don't know that we're going to make a vegetarian column on the menu. Right. I would prefer to, to make uh, a half a dozen things on our menu that are vegetarian friendly, but are really good and just happen to be vegetarian friendly. Um, I don't want them to have to just eat the coleslaw, you know. It's just not, it's not right. I, I, really, I really changed my ways when I was in New York working with the Southern Hospitality guys. I, I was always kind of like, you know, I used to joke that, I would feed vegetarians Italian sausage and not tell them, and they always really liked it. Tell them it was some <laughs> fake meat product, but but it's really. I, when I got up there, I realized that it's not not everybody that that eats a a a unique diet is just an idiot that's going to grow out of it. Some people just like to eat like that. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be them being an idiot eating a specific diet. I mean, they should know what they're eating. So if you're a restaurant, I mean, certainly. You know, I'm 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 at a struggle here because I'm a business guy by profession, and I want to get my hands on the most money possible. And if you're opening a restaurant, you want to be able to cater to as broad Absolutely. of a scope as possible. Yeah. However, barbecue restaurants aren't really catering to everybody in a in a sense because it's meat. It's you know what you're getting. It's meat. It's pork. It's beef. It's chicken. Blah blah blah. So to me, I think 
for whatever reason, the barbecue guys can probably look away from that faction and say, hey, we can make a go of it without having them participate at all and not really feel bad or be made to feel bad like some of the other restaurants that are just catering to all-American fare. Yeah, no, I'm more like you. I want to figure out how to way to get everybody's money. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and again, we're in a really trendy neighborhood that is uh, there's plenty of vegetarians around and lighter eaters. Um, again, I don't want everybody to only come when they really want to put the feed bag on. I'd like them to come in if they for lunch on a regular basis, you know, so we want to have some some lighter things. I mean, how often do you go to the barbecue restaurant once a month, twice a month, maybe, you know, even if you're into it, yeah. it's not. So we don't want to be exclusive like that. I sure don't. Um, besides, it, it's really for me, it's really cool because it's that one opportunity to do things. And, and the early conversations are, well, you know, what style of barbecue? Oh, hell, I've been you know, I was writing books about styles of barbecue before it really existed. So I feel like I'm in a position to do something uh, the way I want to do it. And I, and I do want to feed people that, you know, not, now you, then, then you, you almost went there about allergies and stuff. That's a whole different thing. I don't know. I don't even know how to tackle that. That's a tough one. Um, but as far as vegetarian friendly food and, and even, I guess gluten-free would probably be the other one that is, is really become such a big thing. You got to embrace it. Uh, Ray, where is the restaurant located? I got some people in the chat room that are saying, oh, where's the trendy part of where this restaurant's going to be? It's called the Edge District in St. Petersburg. It's on 1st Avenue South and 11th Street. It's it's in the Edge District, which is the really trendy part of town, and it's also right across the street from Tropicana Field. All right, so go ahead. Uh, We don't know how long there's going to be a ballpark there, but there's going to be something there. All right, uh, drbbq.com is Ray's website. Ask drbbq.com if you have a question you'd like us to tackle in the upcoming months over 2017. Feel free to shoot us an email there. Uh, let me ask you, uh, it's kind of a poor segue, and I apologize, but I, I wanted to talk to you quickly uh, about some type of competition barbecue. And I guess, namely, do you think there should be a remove this because this is going to be very blasphemous up front and, and I apologize and no offense to anybody who's won the title out there so far. But do you think there should be a removal of KCBS team of the year and the season is extravagantly long. The expenses very high. The miles very long indeed as we know for payoff aside from like the title that is really non-existent and is there a win for the competitor or should this dog be put down until something better is generated? No, it goes back to the early days. Uh, I, I can tell you, I sat in Gary Wells's office and Gary would, it was a secret thing. Gary had a little floppy disc that had all the info on there because he had, it had been his whole baby. Nobody, we didn't have the internet. We didn't all have computers. We, only Gary really knew who was winning. And, so this goes back to the early days, and they would only announce like the top three. You had to go kiss Gary's ass to find out where you finished, <laughs> and I, if you wanted to, that was the only you know it was, but it still existed, and it was a bragging rights thing. Um, so no, I'm all for it. I, I I'll, I'll say it right now. I think the the small dick award for the guy that only cooks five is ridiculous. I mean, I'm sorry, you can't be a NASCAR champion if you drive at the track by your house on Friday nights, you know, if you're, it, yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. It's a big thing, but Hey man, it's the, the team of the year. You know, it, 
I, I'm not a fan of the give everybody a trophy mentality. No, so, and I'm not yeah. saying that, but I'm saying that the fact that it is so. Here I think go, there's man. there's a there's. I did. Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, there you are. You got so me. You're All back. Right. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, there's. I think there's a large portion of teams that go, hey, there's no way we're even going to bother competing for team of the year because you're going to have to put in a minimum of 35 to 40-plus competitions a year. We can't hang with that. So that immediately limits the amount of teams that are going to be able to make that push. But then to do it over that long of a time for what really is just your name on a piece of paper. And, you know, when I talk to these guys that win it every year, I always ask them, are you ready to go defend? And they're like, hell no. To me, that's like, well, let's get out, let's get something going that makes it a little bit more incentivized for them to want to go out and redefend right away, but do it in a more condensed and potentially like uh, elite style level. And I'm not talking about like breaking out in new factions and anything like that, but it, it, to me, it's a little anticlimactic to hear the team of the year go. There's no effing way I want to get out there and do that again next year because it's a ball buster. Right. Well, and, and can you name the last five teams of the year? I can't name the team that won last year. I mean, I'm not that into it these days, but it's not. You know, Byron Chisholm had a great idea a long time ago. If you get a chance to talk to Byron, he can maybe expound on it. But it was something to the effect of if you're the team of the year, KCBS puts X amount of dollars or effort or whatever behind marketing you. So they they do a a ad for a national magazine with your picture saying, right. here, here's our, we're Kansas City Barbecue Society, sure. and here's our team of the year. Right. Or they 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 use you in marketing things on their website and, and that sort of thing. And I, I always thought that was a really good idea. I, I think agree. they, KCBS, if they really went forward with something like that, uh, they could leverage you onto some national shows. Yes. We don't get on all these national shows. What about calling up uh, Steve Harvey and saying, hey, we got the KCBS team of the year guy he you know i mean now and then it would also what they might consider i think is uh some coaching for the guy you know we all stand there with our big we're fat guys with beards and we say i'd give you a resume then i'd have to kill you well that that doesn't go very far in the real world of entertainment so coach these guys tell them you know how to do be good at it give them some good ideas of what to say and send them out there and 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 promote them buy them a couple plane tickets maybe we could if somebody call and kiss al roker's ass al's a big barbecue fan yep. maybe they can get yep. on the today show but i don't think there's even any attempt at that no. um as you know our marketing no. kcbs marketing consists of something i'm not familiar with well yeah i agree i think there's a lot of stuff that could be done for those guys that are going out and gals uh, busting their ass over the course of what is really a uh, calendar year but uh, you know i guess we'll see what happens as uh, we press on from here ray lampy joining me here on the show for the ask dr barbecue segment ray talk to me about the nascar cruise is there any way i can talk you out of going on a cruise they seem very <laughs> dangerous <laughs> I, well, luckily I'm getting paid pretty well for it, so I probably wouldn't be going otherwise. But I got a call one day that I want to be the barbecue expert on NASCAR the Cruise, the first ever NASCAR cruise. And it's a nice ship, and I got a nice cabin, and they paid me a very decent pile of money to go do it. So I'm looking forward to it. We're going to hang out with Dale Jr. and Rusty Wallace and Richard okay. Petty and I'm kind of a NASCAR fan, so I'm kind of into it. But uh, <laughs> no, you can't talk me out of it. I've, I've signed the contract. I'm going. From a responsibility standpoint and an accessibility standpoint, what are you going to be doing, cooking? And then, like, are you allowed to 
hang out with people on the boat and all that stuff. Yeah, I think uh, I think most of my work is going to be done ahead of time. Frankly, I've submitted a bunch of recipes, and typically, how these things will work, you know, they got to feed a couple thousand people. They don't. I'll be in their way if I try to get in the middle of it. Um, so I've submitted recipes, and I'll work with them to make the recipes fit what they're doing. Sometimes, like ingredients are, there's ingredients they have, and some that just be impossible to get. And we'll work all that stuff out ahead of time. Uh, I don't even know if they have a big smoker. <clears throat> they very well might. I don't know. Um, if not, they're going to have to cook this up in the oven somehow. Uh, I, I don't really know. But once that's all done, once I get on the ship, I don't think I'm going to. I've got to do one cooking demonstration and be involved in some interviews and stuff. But I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see myself actually having to cook anything once I'm on there. So I think I'll be just hanging out a lot, wow. um, which should be fun. Um, are there like spots still open? Like when do you set sail? Uh, we set sail January 29th, I think oh. it is, that Sunday. Uh, last I heard, only the big high-dollar cabins were still available. So <laughs> I'm not taking credit for the big draw. I'm thinking Richard Petty and Dale Jr. and those guys are the bigger draw. But, you know, it's, an, it's a big deal. It's the end of off-season for NASCAR. If you're a NASCAR fan, you can afford it. Um, it's probably going to be fun. All right. I'm getting a question uh, that says... Greg, ask Ray why I have to hear his voice on my radio every weekend on a fishing show. Are you doing a fishing show takes, Ray? Um, <laughs> not a, it, it could be something I did a long time ago. It's probably a big green egg commercial, if I was, if I was guessing. Um, I did a fishing show for a few years, but it was a TV thing. We did cooking segments. Big Green Egg was a sponsor called Fish in the Flats. but And they still run them, but, but that's TV, so... If he's hearing me on the radio, my guess is it's the Big Green Egg radio commercial that I did a while back. Uh, he's probably having uh, first Tuesday of the month flashbacks when he hears. <laughs> Makes him feel good, probably. Yeah, wishing he had a good host that was getting ready to follow the Ray Lampy spot that he's hearing play on the radio. Uh, all right, Ray, before I let you go, anything else you want to hit, um, promote, otherwise? How's the book doing? Um, yeah, it's getting rolling now. It's good. I mean, it's a weird time to launch a book in the fall, but it had a good run for Christmas. Got some, a lot of good reviews from it. So I suspect it's going to really rock it in the spring because everybody that's getting it's really happy and, and it's looking really good. The Big Green Egg Cookbook, Ray Lampy's Big Green Egg Cookbook. All right. You can find Ray at drbbq.com. If you have a question that you would like us to tackle in an upcoming Ask Dr. Barbecue segment, shoot it off to askdrbbq.com. Ray, always appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you again in February. Hey, Greg. Take care. See All you right. soon. Take care. That's Ray Lampy right there, ladies and gentlemen. He is the doctor of barbecue. AskDRBBQ.com is the place you want to go for all of uh, the questions you might have for Ray coming up. But if you just want to check him out, DRBBQ.com. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if I got to play this yet or not. We haven't officially like signed I's and dotted T's, but... I may or may not have a fairly decent name ready to jump on board here with this ship. Let me see if I can. Uh, is that right? I just had a phone guest say that she was going to go on Skype now, so I just got to make sure I got my logistics correct. Did you say you wanted to get in contact with the show? Sure. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966.
Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. All right, thanks again to Ray Lampy for joining me. And coming up out of the break, we will have Kevin Coleman from Weber Grills to talk about the new Genesis, the revamp. I don't know, is it a revamp or a refresh, a relook? All right. Let me talk to you quickly about the Pit Barrel Cooker Gang. Here's what we know. Pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy. Who needs the hassle? Not me. But I strongly suggest the Pit Barrel Cooker. The Pit Barrel Cooker makes cooking simple and fun and just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker available on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that turns out great traditional barbecue meats like briskets, pork shoulders, and ribs while being able to ramp up in temperature to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. The versatility, all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection, the hook-and-hang method. Places the food in the center of the heat so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie. The result is great-tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. That's consistency, my friends, and you're looking at it right there on the video screen. Not only is the Pit Barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's aesthetically sexy as well. It's the only one that's be able to withstand the heat thanks to its porcelain enamel finish. Plus, it can stand up to any type of weather condition. Extremely portable. It fits in the back of most trucks, vans, and FUVs. The best part, for $299, the pit barrel comes fully assembled and is ready to cook on. And it ships for free right to your door. Not only does the cooker ship free, but with so few returns, or so few returns, everything they sell ships to the lower 48 continental states each and every day with no promo or coupon code free but don't take my word for it the folks at amazingribs.com give the pit barrel top 10 rating in their gold division that's the highest rating not once not twice but three years in a row they've said time and time again we're running out of good things to say about the simple affordable smoker there's nothing else like it on the market today here's what you do head on over to pitbarrelcooker.com that's pitbarrelcooker.com and see what everybody's talking about and be sure to check out their full collection of short how-to videos Then pick up one or two for yourself. Give one to your neighbor. They'll love you for life. If you have any questions, you can contact them through their site or call 502-228-1222. That's 502-228-1222. And yes, they'll actually talk to you. Find out what great customer service is all about and check out their great line of accessories like their really cute pit barrel coffee mug that I have right here. Look, it's even got the little vent thing at the bottom. Adjusted for Cleveland altitude, no doubt. All right, that's pitbarrel.com, and we're back with Kevin Coleman right after this. Stick around. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James of Barbecue Talk, Craig Rampey. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. You can visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also buy from Amazon.com to purchase as well. Don't forget... 
The cookandpellets.com has the free app that you should download as well. They'll alert you when you have great shipping rates coming from Amazon and cookandpellets.com. All right. My next guest is the director of brand education and Weber's Grill Master, the website, of course, Weber.com. Let's go ahead and welcome back friend of the show, Kevin Coleman. Kevin, how are you, buddy? I'm fantastic, Greg. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, Kevin. Appreciate you making time for the show this evening. And, uh, you know, certainly a number of different places we can start uh, tonight. And I guess before we get into the Weber Genesis talk, the last time you were on the show, uh, the company had just launched the Weber Summit Charcoal Grill Advance, you know, a, a number of months ahead to where we are here just in the first part of 2017. How is that grill performed for the company has it met expectation is above is it below where does that benchmark sit right now it's 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 well above expectation um the grill was really well received the performance of it once people got past the wow Weber went to a little bit higher of a price point once they really got into cooking it and using it it's been phenomenal and what's really exciting is this month we are launching um our a premium charcoal that you will find at most um, retail stores that sell our grills that burns hotter, burns longer, and is the largest briquette that you will find in the marketplace. So that's going to complement that summer charcoal really nicely. Um, there was one point when I was cooking with uh, with this charcoal that I actually cooked 27 hours straight um, on my summer charcoal. Now, it was oh. a pretty full load, but to be able to cook 27 hours straight and keep temperatures consistent was kind of crazy. Is this something that Weber is uh, sourcing like a private label or is Weber taking over complete production of the charcoal too? It's something that we're doing private label. We partnered with somebody and the, the charcoal is just absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's one of the best that I've been able to cook with and I've almost used everything out there. How do you go through an R&D? This isn't supposed to be part of the interview, but I'm fascinated. From a, look, whenever Weber puts their name on something, there you know there is name brand and, and brand recognition that goes along with it, plus the standard that goes along with it, right? So how long do you have to uh, test and research and burn and burn and burn the charcoal before you're like, yeah, this is really what we, we want to do? Well the, well, the cool thing is we're constantly looking at other people's fuels, different types of fuels, because people are using them inside of our grill, so we're constantly looking at that data. And when we started coming up with, hey, this is charcoal going to work, we've had a really huge amount of success in Europe um, with a branded charcoal. And so we started going after it and seeing what do we look for? How do you make charcoal grilling easier? How do you make it a lot more simpler? Um, And by using a, a, a premium charcoal, using something that burns longer, burns more consistent, you get a better grill, better meat, better charcoal, better instruction. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a pretty good equation for some pretty prestigious barbecue, right? And so our R&D guys tested. Um, I spent probably the last six to nine months going through about a half a ton of it. Um, so we've, we've, we've beat it up pretty good. But like I said, it's, it's it almost had a renaissance with charcoal grilling using it because it is that good. Does this fall into the briquette? Uh, classification of charcoal or is it more lump and of course there is the hardwood lump briquette situation that uh, that's in the market too where does this fall it's it's actually a hardwood charcoal briquette um, 100% hardwood largest briquette that you're going to find in the marketplace but the most important part is it burns from a traditional briquette that will get you about 45 minutes to an hour and taper off I've taken this briquette um, 
about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes and started to seal a trail. Wow. So that tells you how long. So you're using about a third or more less, and you're getting more out of it, which is kind of cool. All right, so if you're looking at like a traditional Kingsford briquette, this is actually bigger in size is what you're saying? It'll be the biggest briquette you'll see in the market. It, if you're a traditional briquette, not going to name any names, but it, it will uh, a little bit dwarf it for sure. Wow, all right. Uh, all right, so look for that if you're if you're uh, down for looking. Every, I mean, live fire guys are always looking for the next best thing in fuel, no doubt, so I'm sure there's going to be people with our eyes peeled for the new Weber fuel, what's it? Does it have? Is it like Weber charcoal, or is there a catchy name? Yeah, it's actually it's going to be a Weber branded charcoal bag. It's going to have a sealable a seal on it. It will be um, weatherproof. So if you happen to like myself forget forget a bag of charcoal outside, and all of a sudden it rains, the bag falls apart, you make a mess, your wife yells at you, you won't have <laughs> this problem with that bag, which is really cool. Uh, Kevin, let me ask you an instant chat question that just came up from uh, Luke Armstrong, who I'm guessing is from Australia. Are you guys looking at, at all at importing or exporting that uh, Summit Charcoal Grill to Australia at all? That is that is a good question, and I be, I can't speak 100% behind that. I know Australia is a very heavy um, charcoal place, and the people that I know um, – Inside of Weber, I'll make sure that um, I, I bring that to them and say, hey, we got some major interest down under um, for that summit charcoal. Now, let's talk about what we wanted to talk about this evening, which is my favorite gas grill, which I have owned for 13, 14 years now, uh, the Weber Genesis Silver B, no side burner. And this thing has been a beast, rock solid. I've done a few burner changes <laughs> over its lifespan, but... You know, by and large, very uneventful, very trustworthy, very even on the heat front back and side to side. Tell me about the new Weber Genesis. Is it a revamp? Is it a facelift? Is it a whole new uh, update? What's going on? This is this is a whole new update and redesign. And what's really exciting is we've encompassed this GS4 um, system, which is our high-performance grilling system. So you get the ignitions, which are warranted for 10 years. You've got a brand-new burner. Um, so we've gone with the same stainless steel burner, but we've actually ported it differently. Um, you've got the flavorizer bar still in there, which is a legendary Weber thing. And then we talk about the grease management and having that way more accessible to people. So we've made, we've taken what that Genesis was, redesigned it into what the future of grilling should really look like, um, for our Genesis grills, which is pretty cool. And if you go up to the LX models, you will have the iGrill 3 um, integrated, which you will be able to check your temperatures from the inside. You will be able to check how much gas is in your tank, and you'll also be able to turn the lights on the knobs on and off, which is pretty cool. And you're able to check the fuel from the tank through the iGrill itself? Yep. That's all going to be connected, mm. um, and that's going to be our iGrill 3 um, integration into that grill. And just listening to you talk to Ray before, you are finding more technology, I think, built into these grills because – as companies, you want to take the uncertainty out of grilling. We need more people grilling. We need more people in the backyard. We need more memories made. And the more uncertainty that I think we can take out of grilling, and the easier it is, the more accessible it's going to be. And I think it's going to help keep the next generation and generation of barbecuers um, in the backyard cooking. How, how are you able to tell how much fuel is in the tank? Are you running something down the, the main pipe of it, or are you resting something on the side? How does that work? Well, right now it's a it's a spring loaded scale, so you might have the same, a little bit outdated scale on your Genesis Silver B, which it might be the box or it might actually be the arm that goes up and down depending on how old it is. Um, 
but it's the same kind of technology. So they've incorporated that electronics into the scale. So when the scale goes, mm-hmm. when you put the 20 pound tank full of gas on, it goes down. Well, eventually because of the gas being used, it starts to go back up and we've just taken that spring load incorporated it into the app. So when you go to look at it, you can now see, is it half, is it three quarters, is it a quarter? I need to start, you know, either get my own, get a new tank or get this one refilled. So it's, it's going to help people for sure, because I know a lot of them get to the point where I didn't know how much gas was left. It's happened to me before where you're using, you're right in the middle of a cook and you forget. So this will uh, alleviate some of those backyard missteps. From an aesthetics standpoint, Kevin, the Genesis, to me, the first thing that stands out is the hood on mine is kind of square, kind of tall. This one seems a little bit more of, a, I guess, for lack of a better term, but for painting the picture for the audio files, more of a rolled style hood. It's traditional to our Genesis. If you can, our past Genesis that we've just um, moved away from and moved to this, there's actually two types of lids. So you'll see a more of a rolled with the Genesis two. Now, when you get up to the LX, you will see more of a traditional Genesis lid, like you would probably see on your Silver B. And that was just one of those things that they looked at. A lot more people are cooking, but they're not necessarily doing the longer cooks. Some people, so we've we've dropped the lid down a little bit more for that traditional griller that's going to do steaks, dogs. You know, not a lot of cooking. Although you can still do all your you know your big roasts and turkey. Once you move up to that LX model, you get a little bit bigger of a lid. Um, you get the I grill three. You get the, the stainless steel doors on the front um, to, to enclose the cart. What's really cool that we found, especially with with the new Genesis and doing a ton of research and a ton of testing. Um, by moving that tank outside, you've actually created a lot more space for storage, which is something that people really wanted. Um, keeping the tanks inside is great. It's a little awkward and cumbersome to get the tanks in and out and get things attached. And that was one thing that people really, really um, gave us feedback on. And now moving those outside, you actually have a nice area for storage in there, which people are really excited about. How many different uh, levels are there in the new Genesis line? So you're going to see a two, a three, a four, and a six burner and traditional Genesis two. And then you're going to go up to the LX models, which then you'll get into um, two, three, four, and six. Do so you've got a fair amount of models out there that you're going to be able to choose from, which is really exciting. Do any of them come with a, like a side burner? Yes, we still have the side burners built into those. You're going to see those as the Genesis 440s, I believe, 640s. Um, and that's the four. So the first number when you go into the Genesis grills, even all Weber grills, first number is going to tell you how many primary burners you're going to have. So if it's two, it's two burners. If it's a six, it's a six burner. The next number is going to tell you how many cooking features that is built into the grill. Um, so you're going to see when you get up to the 440s, you're going to have the eye grill, you're going to have the side burner. Um, so you're really going to have a pretty robust grill that you're going to be able to do a ton of barbecuing on, which is exciting. Um, from a uh, porcelain coated to a, a stainless finish, you're, you're offering those two different style of hoods as well. Yeah, so we've keeping the warranty the same on those same traditional colors in the lids. Um, a lot of people prefer the porcelain enamel. Some prefer the, the stainless steel. Nice thing is, depending on your school, you can go to. I myself, I'm a porcelain guy. Cleans up a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, do I have stainless steel grills in my backyard? Yes, uh, but I, I do like the porcelain and how easy it is to clean and maintain. 
the question that we're all leading to here is this. You have the Genesis you're revamping, it's offering kind of a, a full line of, you know, I guess what you could consider almost entry level all the way up to, you know, super nice six burner with the stainless steel, all this other stuff. Uh, don't forget, Kevin, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Weber also has a Summit Series line of gas grills. Is this an effort to start to scale back that t- style of production, or is that something that will continue to remain in the marketplace? And, and where is that going to fit amongst the new line of Genesis? Well, I, th- I think for for right now, when we started looking at research and really looking at who was grilling, where were they grilling, and where could they be grilling, um, we found a lot more people going down to urban settings, right? People are going back into the cities, they're buying condos. So some of these grills are designed for some of those small places. You've got tables that will fold down. Um, you still have that nice stainless steel premium look. And the way we design these grills is to try to fit almost any kind of backyard scenario that we could to get more people grilling, if that makes sense to you. So the summit is going to stay the summit. I think just like the Genesis, just like some of the other models, you'll see a refresh. You'll see new things coming as things evolve. I know the summit since I've been there, and that's been almost 17 years. It's evolved, I think four times in that. So I think you're going to consistently see new grills. And I think as long as people are continually barbecuing, we're going to continually try to make the best possible barbecues we can so they can have the best results possible. Kevin Coleman joining me here on the show. All right, I have two quick fire questions to ask you, and you can either say like yes or, or no. well, it's either yes or no. Uh, number <laughs> one, uh, 2017 is going to be the year that Weber introduces a pellet cooker to the market. False. False, okay. Uh, question number two. Horse meat is going to be accepted finally as an alternative meat source in the United States in 2017. Oh, that's an interesting conversation. I think wild horse meat, they're doing some of that down in New Mexico. They they farm it out. I would probably say not at this particular point, but I would say the more education people have on that topic might start to change some of their their thoughts. All right. I like it. Kevin Coleman is the director of brand education and Weber's grill master. You can check him out. Weber.com. Kevin, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Greg. And I look forward to being down in Texas tomorrow for Camp Brisket down at College Station with Foodways Texas. So if you ever want to come on down to that, Aaron Franklin's there, Ronnie Kinlan, Russell Rogel's, You've got some pretty high-powered high power brisket cookers that go down there for a whole weekend of education. So anybody going down there, I look forward to seeing you. If not, Greg, hopefully we can get you down there next year. Yeah, let's let's work on that, like uh, starting maybe over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, thanks, Kevin. All right, we'll see you. There he is, Kevin Coleman. Yeah, nothing like the great, hey, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? We're going to be hanging out with all the greatest brisket cooks ever. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up, buddy. Well, luckily, 2017 is rapidly coming to a close. So I could be at that brick. What did he call it? Brisket boot camp? Oh, man. Ron Killen is going to be there. I mean, pretty much everybody that cooks brisket is probably going to be there, right? It's in Texas where the brisket lives. Uh, I don't have to remind you that he was not against the horse meat. 
which is one of my movements for 2017. All right, folks, if you didn't know, Big Papa Smokers is the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue featuring a comprehensive selection of American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa's has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs. The rubs have won almost every major barbecue competition, period. BPS has also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor the flavor profiles that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've even created two of their own unique competitions, King of the Smoker, which brings the best of the best in barbecue head-to-head in a back-to-basics competition. King of the Smoker, unique in that contestants may not use any electric devices, such as pellet cookers or pit miners. Contestants just allowed to use charcoal, wood, and their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. The other competition is the Guinea Pig. That's a cost-controlled event that helps bring in newcomers to the competition barbecue world. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category, which provides incentive to get new competitors into this situation. Also, retain the veterans. Yeah. On top of all that, Big Papa has created the unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team. That features 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind, Big Papa's has been able to do all this with only like seven years of being in the business, turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their own unique competitions, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, BJ's Restaurant Brewhouse, and most importantly, benefiting children's charities across the U.S. And it continues to be just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. All right. BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. We're back to wrap up the show right after. (coughs) Back to wrap up the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. For those that are keeping track, Especially in the instant chat. Mojo Bricks loves horse meat. Ding. Jaina Tedisco, me too on the horse meat. I'm guessing, I'm just assuming she loves the idea. Len Carbrandt. Is that your last name, Len? Sorry. Love horse meat smoke. I'm telling you. 
of, of, of all the great ideas and causes and events that I've been thinking to get down with or bring to light or get a platform on, horse meat just might be one that starts out as the proverbial tongue-in-cheek, and by the end of the year, it's going to be widely available. We're going to force those meat inspectors to give subsidies to the meat plants so we can get proper horse meat to the table. Get the drugs out. We're going to, you know, because they can take drugs being like athletic horses that metabolize takes forever. You don't want to eat any of that. But come on, let's let's raise some horses to eat, y'all. Let's do it. I say yes, horse meat in 2017. And when I am nominated, get put on the ballot and then voted for the 2017 Barbecue Hall of Fame, that will be in my Hall of Fame speech this year. You're goddamn right it will be. Go to Canada, they're eating. Go to Mexico, they're eating it. South Miami is eating it too. Illegally. And allegedly. Horse meat. Again, me, Hall of Fame, 2017, horse meat in the speech. And if you don't think that is going to be a speech that is going to be one for the ages, you're just going to want to get me elected. You're going to want me to get in there. All right. We're stepping away. I got to refresh these cold pills are drying me out got to refresh and then we are back with the second hour you're listening and watching the barbecue central show right here in cleveland ohio stick around we'll be right back This is Jenny Bell from Clarington, Ohio, and I'm listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how's it going? We have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate cookies for wiener. Delicious Laverty is shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we're in the second hour. Ooh. Had to refresh my beverage. 
He ate 54 wieners. Oh my god. All right, friends, you found the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. That, of course, is the Barbecue Central Show. Hmm. I'm getting a question from Don G that I'm just seeing now. It's almost an hour old. I apologize, Don. Happy New Year. Sorry, I'm not there all the time, but I am tonight until 10 10 p.m. Sorry, I missed you, Don. Good night, Don. I meant to send this question to you pre-show, but question for Kevin Coleman. How is the Summit Charcoal Grilling Center being received? Oh, all right. He offered it to me for 700 bucks. Oh, my local appliance store, who was a Weber dealer, was begging me to take one back in November to take one. He offered it to me for 700 bucks, and that was with me saying no. For 700 bucks, that's half off. I'm guessing that was probably the base model, Don. I'm going to answer this in email form later. But for 700 bucks, uh, I'm taking that every day of the week, right? You got to take that. 700 bucks, that's half off of retail. 50%. That's almost rule number three of the show. If it's free, it's me. Half off is almost free. I'm no mathematician. Almost free. Still to come on the show this evening, Jess Priles, the hardcore carnivore. We're going to be talking about her new rub release, which is the Red Rub. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about venison. Maybe she has some 2017 predictions. What I heard Kevin Coleman from Weber say when I said, hey, 2017 is the year that Weber will introduce a pellet cooker to the market. And he said, unabashedly, false. Get that big stuff out of here. Mm-mm, I don't know. Pellet cookers are becoming pretty popular these days. I might not know what I'm talking about, of course. but. I believe my good friend Doug Scheiding once told me that the pellet revolution is starting and it's taking force in Texas, which, by the way, went from trying to ban pellet cookers in competition. There was literally like bits of legislation that were written in. There was a vote taken. It went up for like a whole vote, right, Dunk? We're going to ban pellet cookers across the Texas nation of competitions. And now everyone is starting to cook on them, at least at home. So we'll see how many make it to the competition circuit. You have manufacturers such as Green Mountain Grills, Rectech, Traeger, and now the newest one to the competition team or the competition scene, or the pellet scene, Pits and Spits, which I think has been a long, revered, well-known, and respected offset pit manufacturer. Now they're getting into the pellet scene as well. I'm going to be trying to get them on for an interview at some point. So just when you thought Texas was going to be the potential voice of reason, saying, hey, get out of here. Not only are we going to be Sorry, you didn't understand my Texas accent. 
Not only are we going to be seceding here from this here union, you know, the United States, because we are efficient, self-sufficient. We're going to do away with all them dang fur peelet cookers, too, boy. That's right. Get them out. Get them out of my state. Now, open arms. It's a love fest. Come here, you pellet cookers. Stay in Texas. Live in Texas. We're going to rename Texas Pellet-tis. Texlets. I don't know. I can't mash a name up right off the top of my head. Here's what I want to tell you right now, though. Shout out to Poncho and Lefty Steaks. Boom. You know them, Poncho and Lefty. They won the International World Steak Cooking Championship this past year to the tune of like $100,000, right? Come on. They came out with, uh, or they finally brought to their, <laughs> that voice is driving my dog crazy. She's barking like crazy. That's right. You keep your dog out of me, boy. That's how Texans sound, right? That's how, If you've never met Doug Shiding, that's exactly like he talked. <laughs> that and the big belt buckle. They told me when they were on the show here a handful of weeks ago that they were just kind of putting the finishing touches on their steak seasoning and they were going to start rolling it out. And they reached out to me a couple weeks ago, and I said, hey, I want to thank you for having you on the show, and we'd love to send you a bottle of the steak seasoning. Look, I get a lot of seasoning from a lot of different people, and you never hear about it. You want to know why? It's not that good. I tried Poncho and Lefty out. Guess what? It was good. Here's when I knew we just might have a potential good thing in the bottle, if you will. Okay? I was going back and forth with Roland, and I said, like, how soon should I be rubbing it? I want to let it sit. Is it, like, right before it hits the flame? Blah, blah, blah. He said, heavy coat it. Don't be afraid to put it on. Don't be afraid. You can't over-season the meat with this. So, you know me, I'm like, I got to prove everybody wrong. So, I went pretty heavy-handed on the initial coat, sent him some pictures. I thought he was going to be like, dude... Uh, you went a little overboard. And he said, looks good. Right before you put it on the grill, little bit of a dusting either side. So I cooked it my way, which is the Michael McDiarmid 325-degree steak way, not sous vide. I did it all by myself. Pictures are up on the Instagrams. Medium rare succulents. And I have to say, for what I thought I was putting on a, I don't want to say substantial amount of rub. But a decent amount of rub. It was not overpowering and very complimentary to the steak. So I say to Roland, or I'm sorry, I say to Poncho and Lefty, thank you very much and try it out. Uh, there's no website. No website. So if you want it, you got to contact me and then I will hold Poncho and Lefty for ransom to make sure I get my cut of it. All right? I'm just kidding. Find them on the Facebook. Poncho and Lefty Steaks. All right. Uh, A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. All right, folks. Uh, Greg Rempe here in the breaking news desk. 
of the Barbecue Central show located in Cleveland. Ohio. Some Wisconsin residents consider raw ground beef sandwiches known as cannon cannibal cannibal or tiger meat sandwiches a holiday tradition but the wisconsin department of health service has a message for you don't do it cannibal or tiger meat sandwiches typically consist of raw ground beef topped with salt pepper and onion served on rye bread or crackers historically in wisconsin Consumption of these sandwiches has led to outbreaks of E. coli and salmonella infections, including an outbreak that involved 150 people in 1994. Outbreaks have also been reported in 1986, 1988, 1989, 1994, 2012, 2013, and the list goes on. Raw beef can also contain other bacteria, including Campholobacter. And Listeria. <laughs> Regardless of where your beef is purchased, eating it raw always risky, folks. Steak tartare is one thing. Eating raw hamburger in Wisconsin, not good. Don't do that. Tim Shop, what's going on in Wisconsin? Report. Tiger meat sandwiches. Tim Shop, what is going on up there? Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you're barbecue in your backyard or on the competition circuit or in a five-star dining facility for that matter. Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks. It's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on these social media types. Instagrams, Facebooks, YouTubes, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. They still have one. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion. Ed Fast Eddie Morin. The FEC 100, the PG 1000, always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill, low and slow, hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack Residential Electric Smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront, right? Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Visit cookshack.com. All right, we're back with Jess Pryles. Tiger meat sandwiches. I'm trying to think of what's the worst name. Let's have cannibal burgers because it's raw meat or tiger meat. <laughs> As I stated, Jess Pryles out of the break. Stick around. I'll be right back. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. 
a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue Bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories. Purveyors of made-in-the-USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, barbecue accessory hangers, rocket-hot chimney grillers, and heavy-duty aluminum defoil dispensers, the fine products of Unknown Smoker Accessories. Keep your gear where it needs to be, at arm's length and ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com slash shop today. Enter promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, for 15% off. All right, my next guest is a uh, social media maven and a cookbook writer and a TV show host. And you find her here on this show every once in a while. It's Jess Pryce. Jess, how are you? Hello. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Jess, appreciate you uh, joining me. That's Kevin Coleman from Weber. I was going to say, I didn't think that I turned into Kevin Coleman overnight, but stranger things have happened. Absolutely not. There she is. Look at that. All right. So uh, immediately, oh my God, I'm all over the place here. So uh, (laughs) I was ready for both just in case. What's behind your left shoulder? This guy? Yeah. Is that the deer? That's the deer that I killed last month. Look at you. Let's say that's the deer I accumulated. So, you know, we don't want to. So they like to use the word harvested, Greg, and I like to say killed because that's exactly what I did. And I'm not like being like, oh, it's great. I went to the woods and shot something, but I ate it. And that's the point. And I don't want to glamorize the fact that that's where meat comes from. Look, here's the problem. Deer is the problem. Uh, I live in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, 10 miles due outside of downtown Cleveland proper. Uh, There are zero woods where I live. And deer roam the streets like they are the crips in the bloods. They are nuisance. They are taking over. It is beyond bizarre where these, I don't even know where the hell they're coming from, but they're just around and they're eating everybody's stuff and they're ruining their yard. So taking one or 20 or 50 out, couldn't, it's not enough as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so it's actually, so that's the first thing. I don't, for me personally, and I kind of mentioned this off air to you because a lot of people will be asking me for smoked venison recipes, of which I have been posting quite a few. All right. But um, I only low fence hunt, so I don't hunt exotics. I hunt animals that require culling. Deer, as you just mentioned, uh, and whitetail are a species that require culling, particularly in Texas. That's why we have a season. So um, that's my personal comfort zone, and that's the one that I operate in, um, which is where he comes from. But that's like, you know, part of honorary, honoring it. Are you like a, a new hunter, or have you always like been down with the hunting? No. So we, like, I, I grew up so super urban Australia. Like, Melbourne has 4 million people where I'm from. And I only moved to Texas two years ago, even though I've been visiting and eating its barbecue for far longer than that. <laughs> but um, I had only hunted for the very first time last year. And this is – that's actually my second deer ever. So I play, like, really tough. Like, I'm, like, hardcore hunter. And I guess I kind of am because I bought my own rifle and I'm really into it. In fact, I'm going next week again. Um, but it's to fill the freezer. It's part of the cycle of being a carnival. Um, are you so? Are you gun hunter or bow hunter or both? I'm a gun hunter just because I'm so new to it that for me personally, I feel like I can dispatch the animal quicker with a gun, and therefore, am being a more ethical hunter. 
Um, I'm not a hunter. I would say I love to win, so I always want to hunt with a gun. And for people that say that for some reason the bow gives the animal, like, we're on equal footing here, the deer isn't trying to kill you. So if I'm the killer here, just give me the gun. I I like my odds better with a gun, I think. You know, it's how long is a piece of string? I mean, we used, we, most of the places that I hunt in Texas use feeders. Most people who bow hunt use feeders, which means that you're training the animal to be in a certain spot so that even if you have a rifle or a bow, you've kind of skewed it your way. Um, but, you know, I, 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 everyone has different comfort levels. I don't think it matters what you kill them with as long as you're providing the quickest death possible. There you go. So uh, we're talking with Jess Priles here, website JessPriles.com. Uh, same handle on the Twitter, Instagrams, all that good stuff. So, uh, on last, thing. Yes, that's right. So uh, the last time we were talking a bit about the black rub, and this time we have a new rub that has been brought to market, aptly named the red rub. So I know. Uh, it's shocking, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, talk to me about the you know where the marketing came from here on this and i guess what the red rub is more important so the product is called hardcore carnivore that's the label and so there's hardcore carnivore black and hardcore carnivore red um and i started with the black which has activated charcoal made from coconut husks in it and it was just a no-brainer to call it you know i was thinking about calling it like gunpowder or texas tea and i'm like nah you know what i don't need gimmicks i don't need like anthropomorphic animals on there i really believe in the flavor of this thing the color is a cool side bonus um so black's been out for a little while and it's been hugely successful and i'm super grateful but i had a few competition teams who the black looks great on red meat, but it really doesn't look that great on like pork ribs. They really do look burnt. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to come out with a red and it had to be really vividly red. So it is all natural food coloring, but I, I mean, you've got it in front of you. It's pretty super bright. Um, and so far, uh, Fat Boys Barbecue from Temple in Texas, who just came third at the American Royal, they actually used it as part of that cook. And it was like out of 600 teams or something like that. So I can tell you that it's been tested and it works. So from a, from, a, from a flavor profile standpoint, you know, the black, mm-hmm. as you said, is, is more widely known to be with the red meat. Was this flavor profile geared more towards the pork then or just... Same flavor profile, but just it's different not color. actually. It's actually just the color that's geared towards yeah. the pork. I mean, it does suit, but it's still just very understated. It's way less sweet than probably any other pork rub that you've had. So it allows you to customize to that level that you want. Often, sometimes you can do that with the sauce as well if the rub's not too sweet. And of course, then you don't have to worry about burning if you're doing high heat cooks as well um, from the sugar content. But um, it's it's just that real. I always say. It should complement, not overpower the meat. And red does that as well. In Texas, most of the pork ribs here are that same sort of savory rather than sweet level. Um, So you'll find it's a similar flavor profile to that. Uh, Where do you get it at? You get it at hardcore-carnivore.com, at Bucky's in Texas. Actually, we have amazing retailers all around the country and some really awesome independent barbecue stores, and it's really important to support your local independent trader. And if you go to hardcore-carnivore.com, um, you can click on a where to buy, and we have all of our retailers listed up there. All right. Uh, Jess Pryle joining me here on the show. So let me, let's go high-level business here just for a second okay. and discuss the sauce-slash-rub market, you know, from a – consumer's perspective it really Mm -hmm. seems to be loaded right now and perhaps there's 
never been more commercially available rubs and sauces than there are right now, especially if you look back over the last five and six and seven years. How do you attack that and not get lost in kind of what is product noise at this point? Um, honestly, I, I think there's a lot of people and this is totally fine, but they release a product because they can and they want their name on it. I think there are other people who have a little bit of a gem of a product and think this should really be on the market. And they're the ones who usually end up really successful because not only did they get into people's hands in the first place, but they repeat that business because the product can stand up for it. So for me personally, um, Hardcore Black was like, it was a crapshoot. I wasn't like, oh, this is going to be the next strategy of my business. It was, this thing is a really cool idea. I think I can make this work. I know I have enough of an audience that I can probably get through the first batch. And if I don't, everyone gets a Christmas present. And luckily, it went the other way uh, for me. So I'm very fortunate. But, you know, it is, it is it, as you mentioned, a noisy market. And I think at the end of the day, no matter how good your marketing is, you have to have a solid product. Because marketing is a, is a one-time purchase. A good product is a repeat business. From the retailer's standpoint, you want to be able to, to build that market of not, I think a lot of people get lost in the fact that they're, they think they're going to make all of this fortune over the Internet. It's all going to be Internet sales, and they can do a little bit of marketing here and there. But okay. you know, I think a large success is due into the brick and mortar. If you can get into that, of course, there does seem to be some hurdles getting through there. So you had mentioned you have some really good retailers that you want to have people support there first. How do you make those relationships? Are you introducing yourself? Is it cold calling? Is it general sales 101? Or are you approached or what? Okay, are you ready for it to be all meta and your mind to be blown? I can't wait. So, <laughs> despite what I just said, um, I've never, except for Bucky's, outwardly approached a retailer to carry out product. Every retailer that we have have found us through either Instagram or social media, other social media, or people on Instagram who go in and say, hey, can you get this stuff in? Wow. That is the entire way. When you go on our website and you see, you know, those 30 plus retailers nationwide, it is all internet and word of mouth. Um, but of course, you know, we're now into our definitely, definitely into our reordering phase. Um, and as I mentioned, that's, that's kind of key, but the, I mean that, and that's why you get in touch with these retailers because they keep their finger on the pulse. You would know you're really active on Instagram and Facebook now, and um, you would see these places that just like like the photos, know what's hot, know what brands are, you know, are happening and, and they should be rewarded for that. Um, from a from a co-packers standpoint, I think when people feel they have a product they want to bring to market, whether it's a sauce or rubber injection or whatever, eventually mm -hmm. if this isn't stuff you can't make in your kitchen, bring it to market and it's all legal and copacetic and whatnot. So you have to bring in a third party, if you will, that's going to help you bring that stuff to market. So. Is that like real nerve wracking for you? I mean, this is your baby. You've honed it. You've made it taste the way you want to make it taste. Now you got to bring it to somebody and have them say, eh, you really want to use this instead, or this is going to cheapen that up. Like, where do you stand your ground and where do you back off? Or do you find somebody that isn't going to make you back down on stuff? How does that work? I mean, you effectively have a recipe and a co-packer will just produce that recipe. When you start to work on a new product with them, you can ask them for their suggestions and opinions and the thing is that's their business that's what they do um and i'm lucky enough with the people who i'm with now um 
we actually ended up reformulating the black um, with with my new co-packer to not have like a cloud of dust come out of it, which, which a cloud of charcoal dust would come out of it. And um, when you have white countertops like I do, it's not the best. I look like I have antlers, Greg. This is the worst angle ever. Anyway, um, so I think that's their job and this is what they do. They have, you know, my guy keeps up to date on what the FDA requirements are. He's up more up to date with what the packaging requirements are and will pass that information on to me because it's his business to know that. So you have to like anything in business, whether it's your accountant or, you know, on a personal note, your doctor or whoever it is that you rely on um, in business, you, you just have to pick the right person and go with uh, recommendations and what have you. All right. So as far as products, I mean, you've just released the Red Rub. It's out there. Everybody's buying it now. Do you have like products that are in the pike or in the genesis phase of your mind right now that you're going to be launching this year later on or what? Well, I think I've definitely shown my cards in terms of whatever comes next probably has to be named after a color. <laughs> so, but it's whatever it is, is going to be a little bit unusual. So I do have something in the works, but it's probably not going to be what you expect, which is uh, what I'm aiming for. But I'm also not going to rush things out. The red was born. Black was born of the idea. Red was born of people asking for it. Uh, the, I, I think the worst mistake I could make would be just trying to like add to the range for the sake of it. Because if you flood with a product that is less than the standard you've built for yourself, um, you lose people's trust. Like if, if I, you know, if I had sent you the red and you're like, oh, really? <laughs> then yep. you'd be like, oh, well, it was nice knowing you for your one hit wonder. Good times. <laughs> Just Pryles joining me here on the show. Uh, all right, Jess, let's uh, regress back to uh, deer killing. So after you uh, harvest the deer, you're going to eat it, and you've been, as you had mentioned a couple minutes ago, uh, kind of putting together some venison recipes. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that I found fascinating, well, I find scotch eggs fascinating. I've never had one, but they look just great. Uh, so right. talk to me about scotch eggs and venison and the whole process. So scotch eggs, uh, you know, British food really hasn't contributed that much to the world. Um, <laughs> but Fair assessment. Eggs are one dish. <laughs> that works. So it's basically, a, it's traditionally a hard-boiled egg covered in sausage or ground pork that's then covered in breadcrumbs and deep fried. And my version of that, my iteration was a soft-boiled egg that's covered in ground venison that's been mixed with pork fat that's smoked um to cook and because you're obviously cooking those temperatures the egg can be in there for another 45 minutes and not cook any further so it remains soft boiled which is really cool and actually i haven't published this yet but you know breaking exclusive for you um i did a recipe the other day that i'm about to publish where i smoked venison shanks so i processed the deer myself too and i'm also really interested in cutting it down a little bit differently to just instead of just jerky and grind i want to get a little more out of it but so I smoked these shanks and then I braised them with um, uh, stout and coffee, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, that sounds so pretty rich, right? It is, but um, it is. But yeah, I served it over like gnocchi or something like that. So it, you had starchy carbs. Everyone loves them. <laughs> but um, you can't really do like a brisket or a pork butt type thing with venison because it just the animal doesn't have that level of fat. 
so it's not suited to those type of smokes. So you have to find a way if you want to smoke venison to put the smoke flavor in there, but it's not going to be the, the be all and end all cooking method necessarily. You're probably going to have to go in with the braise. Uh, how do you soft boil an egg? So you do like max five or six minutes and the worst part is peeling them. It's the worst. And the best method I have found for peeling them, as soon as they're finished, like no more than six minutes, as soon as they hit six minutes, they get plunged into ice water to stop them cooking. And then you actually take a little teaspoon and you push it in between the shell and the egg white and just force it gently around. Um, And it's the best way that I've found to peel a soft boiled egg. Flavor, texture, I mean, it's all kind of hitting on all cylinders with that scotch egg, right? I think so. Um, You know, especially choosing your seasoning. So I actually used a breakfast sausage seasoning in it so that it's like a little breakfast egg, deer egg. Um, But you could go spicy. You could put hot sauce on it. I use regular barbecue sauce on it to finish it off. Um, But you're getting... You're getting a lot of textural delights in there. You're getting smoke. You're getting, obviously, the seasoned um, venison itself. And then there's something really luxurious about a soft egg yolk. That's why, you know, hashtag yolk porn exists. Yeah, I love, oddly enough, what I love, uh, I love yolk uh, exploding all over the place. Um, Other venison recipes, aside from the, the shanks that you were talking about, other things that you have in the works or that you've tried and found to be a delight? Yeah, um, I love stuffing the backstrap. So there's a, I've got a um, mushroom and walnut um, stuffed backstrap recipe on the side. Chicken fried venison, um, venison like bolognese, which is like a meat in red sauce. There's actually a bunch on there. Um, a, a, a Bloody Mary jerky, venison jerky, Bloody Mary flavor. Um, and And that was part of the big challenge to me to just keep pushing the envelope like – I, I, as I said in, in that article with the scotch egg, the world just doesn't need another cream cheese and jalapeno bacon wrapped. I mean, and that, that let's not, do not get me wrong. Oh, that stuff is awesome. Very good. But I feel like we could do better than that all the time. I agree. Jess Pryles joining me here on the show. Uh, Jess, let me ask you two quick questions before I let you go. And mm-hmm. you can answer... True or false or yes or no, I guess, depending on how you take the question. Question number one. In 2017, Weber will bring a pellet grill to market. I don't have that information, Greg. I I know. I'm just asking you yes or no. Yes. Oh, all right. Totally just randomly saying yes. All right. Uh, Kevin Coleman from uh, Weber's. I've, I've seen their rise in the past oh. you know, few years, as has everybody. So I, I assume that they would want a piece of that. Kevin Coleman from Weber last hour said, absolutely, they're not bringing one to market. But, I mean, what does Kevin he Kevin has a really good poker face. What okay? does he know? He knows nothing. He's from Weber. All right. Question number two. In 2017, we will see the acceptance, rise, and popularity, all thanks to me, of horse meat consumption in the United States. Yes or no? No, but I would eat it. No! Get that big stuff out of here. Really no? I'll like, I'll be, okay, so here, no to the success of your campaign, but yes to me being on your campaign team. Have you, okay, let's, let's just throw caution right to the wind. Have you had horse meat before? 
Yeah, in France, when and I can't even remember it. Because it tastes like any other gamey red meat, from what I can remember. Yeah. But, like, you weren't uh, offended by it. No, there's very few meats that are... The only thing that I don't eat, and a lot of people don't know this about me, is I don't eat foie gras only because it's so hard to find humane foie gras. I know this sounds weird, but it's like I, I, I... Go out of my way to eat things that don't suffer during their lifetime. Um, so, no, it's not weird. If the horse was raised humanely, and like, what's the difference? It's livestock. If, you know, they're beautiful, majestic creatures, but, you know, so is a tuna. So is a cow. So Cows are. Have you seen the longhorn with the yeah, full, like... I know. I'm down. I just don't... I'm, I'm completely lost on where the li- where the horse has been able to keep on the side of the dog and the cat, and everybody else is free game to eat. It's beyond me, but whatever. All right. Uh, we're talking with Jess Pryles, JessPryles.com. Also, the same handle everywhere out there on the interwebs, on the Twitter, the Instagrams, all that good stuff. Uh, Jess, thanks mm-hmm. so much for coming on the show, and tell everybody again where they can get the red rope. You can get it on my website, JessPriles.com, and hit shop, or you can go to hardcore-carnivore.com and buy it there, or see a list of wonderful retailers that you should be supporting. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thks so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. There she is, Jess Pryles, the hardcore carnivore. Oh, shysters. I picked the wrong damn thing again. Oh, I need a bigger, uh, I don't even know what the hell I'm trying to say now. If you could see what I'm looking at on this side of the screen, I need a bigger one of those. As soon as I got to scroll down, I get lost in the mix. Hardcore-carnivore, right? Or justpriles.com and then hit the shop button. I'm going to be trying the red rub out this coming weekend. There's a lot of pork on the menu. I can tell you that. Plus a cat door going in. All right, folks, I'm going to talk to you quickly about the 2015, 2016, possibly the 2017 Barbecue Tool of the Year, according to the National Barbecue Association. The CHOPS Power Injector System, three to tell you about, right? The number one seller, half-gallon CHOPS Power Injector, designed for the competition guy or the backyard warrior like me, so easy to use, clean to fill it, pump it, and away you go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It will use it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two-replacement plastic needle adapters, three-plug screws, and a needle protector, 100 bucks plus you pay the shipping. The one-gallon CHOPS power injector system, designed for catering and bigger jobs. Some like to use it in competitions when you're doing the MBN whole hog, or maybe you're cooking 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two-replacement plastic needle adapters, three-plug screws, and a needle protector, 120 bucks plus you pay the shipping, And then the CHOPS Full Power Injector System. It's electric. It's the commercial and competition big daddy. It's not a holding tank like the other two, but a a three-and-a-half-foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container. That's right, from a few ounces to a 55-gallon freaking drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City, and he said time and time again that with the CHOPS Full Power Injector System, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch, 12-gauge needles, 2-inch, 11-and-a-half-gauge needles, 3-plug screws, a needle protector is 325 bucks plus you pay for shipping. A number of the top pitmasters in the country and world use them each and every day. We're foodies. We live in the foodie world. Get flavor in every bite. This is how you do it fast. Not just for flavor, by the way. You can inject alcohol into watermelon if you want. 
All the injectors, handmade in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. They got all the accoutrements and extras that you might want to. You visit Barbecue Kansas City, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's BarbecueKansasCity.com. The CHOPS Power Injector System. Give your barbecue power with the CPI. All right, that was Jess Priles, JessPriles.com, and everywhere at the same name on the Instagrams, tweeters, Facebooks, all that good stuff. And we're back with Angela Iverson right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. Hey, welcome back. Want to get in touch with the show? You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Sometimes we want to put on barbecue competitions or some type of an, a barbecue an event. I said and a lot right there for no reason. You need somebody that's an expert to help you out. I got one. We call her Angela Iverson. Hey. Hey, Angela, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing absolutely fabulous and appreciate you taking time to join me this evening. So I guess before we get into learning about barbecue events and the proper way of going about putting one on and all of this good stuff, are you offended by this talk of horse meat or what? Well, my daddy is a retired farrier, and we trained a lot of horses, but yes. we did not eat a lot of horses. That, like, so. Is that something that – see, you're like one of those people that think they're cats and dogs, right? Um, I'm definitely not Vietnamese. I know there's an issue over there right now, just watching that on the news a couple of days ago. So, yeah, I uh, my horse was definitely my best friend, and I don't think I'm going to eat – horses anytime soon all right fair enough and, and of course you're not legally either because that's kind of not allowed right now but nevertheless that is my platform <laughs> for running for barbecue hall of fame this year uh, we're talking with angela iverson angela talk to me about barbecue events and you know i think for instance myself i'm in the rock and roll hall of fame city I think everything is happening here i have nothing but great times abound but not so much when it comes to like the the actual barbecue, we have a couple of fledgling restaurants that have just opened up here recently, but there's no real barbecue contest to speak of. Uh, you have some experience in getting things up and running. So, for instance, you know, somebody like myself, if I wanted to do something similar to like, uh, like a Sonny's or, you know, something that's kind of starting up and really finding its legs, like how do you go about starting that whole ship uh, down the water, if you will? Well, there would be a few questions I'd probably ask you. Sure. Like, okay, obviously I know you and and you have a passion for barbecue. And that's where it's got to start. If you want to start a barbecue competition, you better have a passion for barbecue competition because it's not an easy thing to start and do. But for those who love it, it's rewarding. So 
There we go. We got that thing checked off. The other thing would be, okay, who is your support group? You know, a lot of um, contests are usually tied in with like a charity. So they have a volunteer base that they can pull from that organization to be able to make the event successful. Um, do you, within that volunteer base, do you have key personnel that you could rely on? You can put them over different tasks or committees to make sure things are done. So I'd want to ask you, who's your support group? And then I'd want to ask you where you think you might want to hold this contest because a venue is very important. You know, um, these days you've got to, it, it's, it was kind of a joke because uh, some of my Texas friends, they told me that when they come over to Florida and they come to a contest, we demand flower, uh, flower <laughs> power and water. And they're like, well, look, there's a, there's a field. Let's go have a contest. And they go have a barbecue contest. And that's, that's great. I'm, I'm glad they do it. Um, that's why there's so many of them. I guess Craig Sherry said there was close to 300 IBCA contests out there. Sure. But uh, if you're in Cleveland, I will bet anything that your guys are going to want power and water. So you're going to have to make sure there's plenty of power, especially for the rigs. They keep getting bigger and bigger. So 30 and 50 amp service and uh, a decent water flow. Once you pick out a venue that's going to be able to handle what you want to do, then you got to start creating what I call a organizational chart. And that's all the different committees that, that, of things that you want to accomplish. You know, usually with a contest, you've got other things happening. You've got uh, entertainment or a kid's area. Um, you want to make sure people are engaged. So you may have a tent where there's demonstrations and things like that are going on. So you need to have uh, this organizational chart with the job descriptions on that chart kind of laid out, and then you start finding your, your key pet personnel for those positions that, that uh, you can rely on to, to get those jobs done. Um, now, you want to have a barbecue contest. So I would ask you, do you want it sanctioned? Yes. Okay. So if you want it sanctioned, then you need to investigate who your local sanctioning body that you'd go with, probably KCBS, no-brainer. And you find out what the fees are and the applications. And, of course, a person like me, if I was helping you, and I've helped people all over the country, actually, now, these days. I get Facebook messages all the time about contests uh, and events and festivals. Um, you, you've got to have the application fee, You've got to be able to know how much your prize money is going to be. And at that point, your prize money has to be secured. So if you came to me and said, I want to have a barbecue contest, uh, but you know, I don't know how many teams I'm going to have, I'm going to say you're not going to attract the teams unless you can guarantee what your purse is going to be. So do you have to come up with that money first? Let's say I wanted to uh, have a a barbecue contest here in Cleveland. We're going to hold it at the Burke Lakefront Airport. We're going to have great spots. It's going to be all on the on the deck of the uh, of the airport there on the runway and uh, great water service. I have no idea how we're going to do that, but I want to pay. I want to pay the winning team twenty five thousand dollars 
to win. Plus, I want to pay deep. It's by and large that's pretty much unrealistic, right? That that's a lot of money to have to secure, but in order for that to happen, uh, you're you're not going to want to start advertising something like that unless you have some money behind you, unless you have some sponsors that have put in a commitment contract saying, we're going to give you X amount of dollars. Um, I wouldn't be opening up your mouth and saying, I'm going to give you $25,000 unless you can back it up before you even start the event. Is there, like, what's a good turnout for a first-year event if we were going to be putting on something together, considering, like, where I'm at? And, you know, I understand, like, for me, it's different than the guy that might be doing it in the Mocan area where there's a lot of competition teams, there's a lot of events going on out there. Cleveland just, I mean, I hate to say it, it's still not like a destination. Nobody's coming here, really, um, other than maybe some sporting events here or there, and that's about it. So to get people to, to come up here, it's uh, it's tough. So like, what do you think is a good first-year expectation that's showing you you have some legs and maybe through word of mouth and maybe a little more increase in prize money next year, you can really start filling out some teams? Are, are you, uh, you're talking about, your team turnout and not yeah. your yeah, attendance. Yeah. Right, that's okay. right. So for your team uh, turnout, I mean, it, to me, if you got uh, 30 teams, you would be fine. Although, uh, first-year contest, if you can get a, a declaration in your state to make your competition a state championship for the Jack, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes that's a draw. Uh and you just need 15 teams for the first year and then 25 after each continuing year. So you could kind of go by that, but really, even in your area, you I don't see it being that difficult. I think you have enough surrounding people in your area that you could draw 30 easy. But it all depends on what you're going to do for those teams and the connections that you make. Um, a lot of times, you know, what I do, and you know a lot of teams personally, so you start talking to them on Facebook. You start calling them on the phone and say, hey, you know, I would really like you to come to my contest. This is what we're going to do, and you make it personal. I know I, I'm on a cook team, and if I have someone who contacts me personally and says, we would really like you to come, and we'll make sure you got a good spot or whatever. But just make it personal. I'm going to be there, and that's what we did in uh, Perry, Florida. We had a organizer who was reaching out to teams personally. So I think that that's an important touch. But um, if I if someone was new, because you've been around the competition world for a while now, but if someone has never been to a competition they were just fascinated because they've been watching TV or something. I would encourage them to go to several, you know, contests and see what it's like and, and talk to the teams. You know, what is it that you like about this contest? What is it that, you know, brings you back year after year? And and, and just get that feedback and, and do the same with the judges. Angela, a couple quick questions here before I let you go, and I appreciate all the information. You know, over the 10 and 15 years that I've been kind of following it in some form or fashion, I really haven't seen like a trending up of 
prize purses. I mean, they still seem pretty weak by and large. I mean, are you surprised for, you know, as long as you've done this too, to not really see kind of a, an inflating prize purse with the popularity that barbecue has seen? Well, I guess I'm a little, I mean, in my opinion, I, I think it is kind of uh, increasing because I've seen more contests at 20, 30, 50,000, you know, like Evans, Georgia, they offer 50,000. You've got a lot of the, you know, Ronnie Cates uh, events that offer pretty large purses. And and now, of course, you know that I'm involved with uh, Sunny's right. Smoke and Showdown, and they they offer sixty eight thousand uh, because they were established in sixty eight, so that's where they came up with that number. But I'm finding that there are becoming more and more, but the the typical one isn't going to do that because the first year to survive at that rate is almost impossible with that kind of a purse. You've got to have some serious money behind you to feel comfortable enough. And especially since a lot of these contests are paired up with these um, uh, with these charities, they want to make sure that they are making some money for their charities as well. So it, it's kind of an economy thing. You know, uh, I know we had a contest that offered 30000 because they had a booming economy, and then uh, their economy went down, and then they weren't able to offer that. You know, the sponsors just weren't there. So they – sponsors don't um, – organizers don't always have a control over that aspect. But um, I am seeing a, a lot more than what it used to be. I mean – you know, it used to be 3000 woo, you know, for the entire purse. And yep. now we're, um, here in Florida, if you don't have at least 10000 uh, everybody's like, oh, you know, why show up, you know. And I'm, I'm almost ready to uh, cause a start a rebellion of maybe just going back to the old uh, sticks and, what do they call it, bricks and sticks kind of, you know, gadgets and keep it simple and get our tents out and, we have to talk to each other, no going into a trailer, and uh, let's keep the prize money really low. <laughs> uh, kind of an event. But um, I, I think it just all depends on when you have an event, what is your goals that you want to meet, and um, do you have a passion for it and the people that are working with you? I mean, do you almost have to hand-in-hand hand it with a car festival and some type of a kid's event and, you know, an old lady pageant cakewalk? Or can you have a successful freestanding flat-out show up on Friday, get inspected, we're going to have the competition on Saturday, and that's it, and there's no, I don't want to sound like a dick, but no charity and, and none of this other rigmarole, just the, just the competition? Well... Actually, me and my teammate do an event like that in Davenport. It's just basically for the teams. We had almost 50 teams and uh, judges, and we had a state competition and a people's choice, and it was in an RV park. So we did have people from that area that came, but it wasn't really an outdoor festival type. It was just centered around the contest, and it's not very easy money-wise, because sponsors want 
bodies. They want to be in front of a demographic and they want to be in front of people. And if you don't have anything to offer them in that way, they're not going to give you money. Um, so that's a very rare case to have something like that. Most of the time, you know, yes, you do have to engage the public. And, and if you find interesting ways, you know, the kids queue, the, um, the, the cooking demonstrations, the food samplings, things that will pique people's interest and keep them coming back and interested, um, those are the things that will help that support your contest side. And, you know, one of the things that I had uh, really wanted to make sure in some of my contests that I helped start was, you know, people walk next to all of the, the trailers and the, the smokers and stuff and, you know, there, there's some teams that are friendly and they're engaged, but they don't know how to walk up to some of the guys and what to ask them or they're too afraid. Yeah. So we would, Friday night, we would take and have what we call barbecue tours. And I would have, I would have a, a couple of master judges that would lead the tour. We'd hop the tour, make sure people knew what was going on. And there could be 20 to 40 people in a group and we'd have already a bunch of teams that had signed up and said, yeah, we'd love to be on the tour. And we'd explain how the contest happened, why it's exciting, how the judging happens. And they'd get to meet the teams and they'd get to do a Q&A. And the teams would, uh, a lot of them love to show what they're doing. And a lot of, you know, there's some that have products and they can share their products uh, along the way. But it's engaging people and educating them. Um, as to why it's it's exciting because otherwise they kind of miss the point. So any any way that I can do that. And then on Saturday, I would do like a little special VIP sampling mm -hmm. and I would have some of the meat set aside that had been judged so that then we could show some of our media and dignitaries and people locally and get them excited about the contest and say, this is what it's all about and this is what we look for. And um, that that's a very successful thing too. So yeah, you do have to you have to add things to make it interesting. I mean, there's us. We we love it no matter what. But the outside world, they've got to be convinced why it's so exciting. Angela Iverson breaking it all down for us. Uh, Angela, uh, where can people get a hold of you if they have questions or would like to take you up on a little bit more information? Um, they can reach me on Facebook under Angela Iverson. Uh, my email address is A-I-V as in Victor, E-R at A-T-T dot net. And I'm happy. Most people have my phone number even. I'll take phone calls. I'll take emails. I'll take Facebook messages. Um, if anybody has a question about it, you know, about starting an event, I know uh, if you are a member of the National Barbecue and Grilling Association, uh, I'm part of that special interest group with the festival organizers and stuff. And we are starting a project on how to start an event and, and keep it successful because we have a lot of experience of people uh, from all around the country. And uh, so that will be something that for the members, they'll be able to eventually access that information as well. But I'm always here and happy to, to share. Angela, thank you very much for coming on tonight. Hey, anytime. You got it. There she is. Angela AI, as I call it. AI. Yeah. All right. Let me get this in very quickly. 
She is on the Facebooks, by the way. Angela Iverson, I-V-E-R-S-E-N, Iverson. All right. The Barbecue Guru is a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're going to have uh, Bob Trudnack on at the end of the month. We're going to be talking about some new products, the revamp of the Onyx Oven, which is going to be exciting. So in the meantime, head on over to thebbqguru.com and check out their products. If you have any questions, call them at 800-288-GURU, and they will make sure that you are outfitted with exactly what you need. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, thanks again to Angela Iverson. Again, she can be found on Facebook and a wealth of knowledge when it comes to getting an event up and running. I saw some chatter in the instant chat about if I was starting something here in Cleveland. No, not really. Uh, she was integral in getting the Sunny's Barbecue Showdown off the ground, and look how successful that is now. Very successful, I might add, by the way. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Then we talked with Kevin Coleman from Weber, Weber.com, about the new Genesis. Also saying that the Summit Charcoal exceeding benchmark expectations, yes, then in the second hour, we talked with Jess Priles, JessPriles.com. The Red Rub is out, ready for sale. Go to JessPriles.com and then click on the shop button to get yours. Also, culling the deer population, which I appreciate. Get rid of those thugs marching down my street. And then Angela Iverson closing out the show here just this past segment. A uh, big one lined up for you next week already, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.